the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, on this edition of the program, a very special guest joining us today, a voice that uh, undoubtedly familiar to you. He's had a role on Bay Area Radio for many, many years, just recently celebrated 19 years as senior pastor of a church that has roots here in the Bay Area going back nearly 100 years. We're pleased to have with us today the senior pastor of BB Memorial Cathedral of Oakland, Reverend Dr. Charlie Haynes. And Dr. Haynes, a delight and a privilege to have you with us today. It is my pleasure, and I'm humbled for the opportunity. May I first say congratulations. Uh, 100 years of ministry coming up in about three years. I think you folks are celebrating your 97th anniversary ministry yes. in Oakland this year. And and yes. of those 97 years, I'll be careful to point out, you haven't been there for all of them. Yes, <laughs> but praise you, God. You be, amen. But you've been there for uh, 19 going on 20 years. And uh, these days, when everything seems to last a nanosecond, um, uh, congratulations. Congratulations on your ministry and what God is doing with through the yep. ministry of BB Memorial there in Oakland. Uh, congratulations are in order. Thank you so much. It's, it's been a privilege to serve. I am now uh, the longest serving pastor uh, in uh, this particular church, uh, church who's had a little bit more over 20 something odd pastors. I've had the uh, privilege to serve as the longest uh, serving pastor. So it's been it's been a journey, uh, but it's been fun. Uh, it's been challenging, it's been stretching, but it's been a blessing. One of the, the longest serving, but I understand, too, one of the youngest to ever take over the pulpit there. Am I correct? Yes. yes. When, I, when I arrived in 2003, I was 29 years old, and I'm 48 today. Came in full of vim and vinegar and, and ready, to, uh, ready to take on the world and, and reach the Bay Area for Christ. Let's walk us back through some of your roots. Uh, your roots began, I understand, in the south side of Chicago. Yes, I grew up, born and raised on the south side of Chicago, Illinois, uh, in an area called Chatham. Uh, most of the areas in uh, Chicago is broken up in, um, you know, neighborhoods, uh, and that's the neighborhood that I grew up in. Uh, was raised by uh, both of my parents, uh, who are now deceased. Um, and then as I matriculated through uh, schools, I played sports uh, like many of the youth at that time, played football. I was hoping for a basketball career. Neither one of those happened after injury. Uh, but I uh, went on and pursued a bachelor's degree at Chicago State University, which is a state university on the south side of Chicago, not too far from where I grew up. Um, not uh, notwithstanding that, after I graduated, I went right into seminary at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. And don't let the name fool you, uh, but uh, that's on Northwestern's campus, earned a master's of divinity degree. And then I went south for my doctoral degree, doctor of ministry degree at the Perkins School of Theology, Southern Methodist University, just to give you some kind of matriculation of where I came from. I'm curious when the hoped for sports career, athletic career did mm -hmm. not come to fruition. When did the Holy Spirit 
come knocking on your heart that led you with the sense that God had bigger and greater plans for you in store? So strangely, uh, as you asked the question that way, it it pulled up a lot of memories. And one of the things that even though I I really wanted, uh, I saw sports as a way out um, and I wanted to play, uh, I felt something different uh, was going to happen in my life. It wasn't until I accepted Jesus Christ as Savior Lord at the age of 16 uh, that I got, uh, uh, I would say, brazenly involved in the church. I went to church casually with my family uh, on the second, fourth Sunday or first and third, whenever they decided to go. Uh, But when I got saved, I had this thirst and this hunger for God like nobody. I wanted to know everything I could know about God and in the scriptures. Uh, in, in particular, I remember an experience uh, going to Sunday school and being able to see the scriptures very clearly while others around me apparently had uh, some challenges around interpretation or revelation. I, I learned very quickly that I had a gift. I didn't know it was a gift until later as I was able to be affirmed and uh, go through study. And then uh, almost a year later, I uh, had this experience where this, uh, one of our youth directors said, I see a calling on your life. I see this light in you. You know, you need to discover what God is saying. I can't tell you what that is. And I thought she was crazy. So I was like, what do you mean calling? Who's calling me? There's nobody on the phone. <laughs> um, and uh, I started searching and thinking and praying. And every litmus test that I took God through at that time, uh, God answered. Uh, and I remember very clearly uh, at the age of 17, uh, my father at the time, who did not go to church, my mother was uh, very active, involved in church, uh, walked past my room and said back to my mother, I think that boy is going to be a preacher. And that was not that was no other clear sign than that, that if he could say that <laughs> without any fear of trepidation, I must listen to God. And in that moment, I heard God's voice said, it's time. And at that point, I went and talked to my pastor a couple of weeks later. Uh, we had a conversation. And then fifth Sunday, uh, September, I believe it was 29th, 1991, I did my initial sermon. Was there any sense at the beginning of what am I getting myself into here? Uh, God, are you really doing me? Me of all people? I mean, I imagine there's got to be moments when Paul said the same thing. Yeah. Me of all people? Wait a minute. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Me of all people, my background, you know, it just it, it didn't make none of it made any sense. And I definitely didn't see pastor at all. I I thought that, OK, God, I feel like if I don't surrender to this, chaos will continue to evolve around my life. So once I surrendered, I, I got a level of peace. Uh, but the peace in my mind was a compromise. I said, God, I'll accept your call, but maybe I'll go into pastoral psychotherapy because I don't want to deal with no church. I, I don't mind helping people, but I want to deal with this institution that's called church. And lo and behold, um, you know, being in ministry for pretty much about five years, I started pastoring at the age of 22. And um, it was the perfect fit. You know, I desired it at that time. Uh, and, you know, God had had a, a great sense of humor because I guess he laughed at me when I said what I was not going to do. <laughs> yeah, he has a tendency to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As they know, I've got plans for you that you know nothing of. And if you understood it in the very beginning, you probably would be terrified. And right. maybe that's the that's the the exciting thing about the faith experience, that a lot of it is obedience mm-hmm. and a lot of it is just surrendering to God, saying, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly where this journey is going to take me or what you have planned for me along the way. Mm-hmm. But in you, I put my trust. So mm-hmm. buckle up tight, because here we go. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And that's that's been that's been my journey. We're speaking today with Reverend Dr. Charlie Haynes, senior pastor of the BB Memorial Cathedral Church in Oakland. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our conversation today, a very special guest. He is Reverend Dr. Charlie Hames, senior pastor of the BB Memorial Cathedral in Oakland. Pastor Hames, I want to pick up where we left off the conversation just prior to the break. And in terms of your studies, um, mm-hmm. you've gone through, as you mentioned from the outgo, uh, mm-hmm. Master's of Divinity degree. You've got your Doctorate of Ministry as well. Um, mm-hmm. You went to Perkins School of Theology. John Perkins has been a guest on this program many times, a wonderful man wow. of God. And, um, and eventually you found your way out to the San Francisco Bay Area. How did all that come about? Well, um, so I was in my doctoral program in Evanston, Illinois, uh, had a whole nother focus. I fo- my concentration was in evangelism. I thought it was not my strong suit. <laughs> it, it just really pulled off the scale and became the gift that God has given me. Uh, but uh, that was a, a gentleman by the name of Henry Milton Williamson Sr., who was just elected bishop in the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church, CME Church. And his first assignment was uh, to the West. Um, he had uh, all of the states um, from Anchorage, Alaska, uh, all the way down to Oklahoma, Arizona, New Mexico, Southern California, Northern California. It's and a huge, he had, huge territory, my, my. Yeah, yeah, huge territory, about 100 churches. And um, he asked five guys to go with him and their families. And I was one of the five that he asked. I was actually the last one that he asked. And um, I did. So I did one year down in Southern California, built a small church. Uh, medium-sized church, uh, Curry Temple, CME Church in Compton, California. Uh, but he asked me, he says, you know, will you trust God and trust me? Will you come west? You know, I think there's a great opportunity for you. And I said, well, I will come, but I don't want to be moving around a lot. He says, well, if you if you take one assignment, the next one, I'll leave you there and forget that you ever went there. And hence, I did one year down at Curry Temple in Compton and he asked me the next year, uh, I have this situation up north. Uh, I just feel that this is the right place for you, and I'll make my promise good. And uh, September 2003, I, I arrived to BB Memorial Cathedral, and the rest is history. Now, I'm curious, looking back, and, and, and some folks eavesdropping on our conversation might say, hmm, I see a bit of a consistent trajectory here in the sense of from the south side of Chicago— Mm-hmm. to Compton, California, to right. Oakland, California. Right. All three major metropolitan areas mm-hmm. with long histories, mm-hmm. areas that have also been challenged economically in many mm-hmm. respects, areas mm-hmm. that have had moments of, of extreme violence, and, and, and mm-hmm. some certainly do. Uh, that's mm-hmm. certainly true of Chicago today as it is of Oakland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think God had a plan in all of that that would take you from Chicago to Compton, to Oakland, and, and if so, specifically, and I'm thinking from the broader picture of coming mm-hmm. to bring the word, bringing the truth, mm-hmm. pouring mm-hmm. some oil on the water to bring healing. Right. right. Do you see the hand of God working through yeah. all of this? Yeah, absolutely. I, it was God's hand. I mean, I, I could not describe uh, the experiences that I had, nothing but the grace of God. Um, 
you know, when I went to Compton, I thought it was what I saw on TV, <laughs> you know, uh, Boys in the Hoods. I thought it was that that kind of cultural value, but it had completely changed. It was almost 80 uh, percent Latinx when I got to uh, Compton. However, it was still a large African-American community uh, that was still vibrant there. And it was at Compton. Uh, I went there. I tell a quick story. I'll show you how God's hand uh, that God is Jehovah Jireh. I went there. Uh, they could not pay me the first month. <laughs> Uh, could not afford insurance uh, for 90 days, right? Uh, I was making half of what I was making when I left Illinois. Uh, but this is the hand of God. There was a lady by the name of Miss Scatlin. Uh, she's gone on to be uh, with the Lord. Uh, came by our house every Friday afternoon and said, the blessings of God is here. The blessings of God is here. And she would come and she would have uh, bags of groceries that she would take out of her house. And that's how we ate for six months because the church couldn't afford to pay us enough to pay rent and pay us enough for a living wage for food. So she literally groceried us uh, through until we able to get the church help. That was nothing but the hand of God. Uh, um, you know, for us, to, uh, the church had been stalled in their project for 12 years before I got there. They hadn't built anything. And for us to raise enough funds uh, in that area at that time to get that church completed, it's nothing but the hand of God. So for me, um, even though it might be skill sets and abilities that God has gifted me, gifted me with, I give him all the credit and the glory because I know if it had not been for God on my side, what would I be? You know, that story, I think, is one that that should be an object lesson for all of us, mm-hmm. particularly from the standpoint of here is an elderly saint in the church. Mm-hmm. Some might stand back with a critical eye and say, well, what could she possibly do? I mean. Mm-hmm. She's an older person. She's probably mm-hmm. living paycheck to paycheck on her social mm-hmm. security wage. She couldn't mm-hmm. possibly do much to have an impact on the kingdom. And right. yet her compassion, her mm-hmm. generosity, perhaps even to the point of self-sacrifice, who knows, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. helped sustain you and your family through that mm-hmm. season mm-hmm. ended up playing a small part of a much bigger picture. And right. I'm wondering if, if maybe from your perspective, from a pastoral viewpoint, if there isn't a lesson in that for all of us, that mm-hmm. sometimes we might think individually, well, what kind of a difference can I make? I mean, I'll show up to church on Sunday, but that, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't speak the way pastor can. I don't, I don't feel comfortable teaching a Sunday school class. I really can't do right. much to make any sort of a difference. And yet, if you look at the individual parts of the body, you know, mm-hmm. n- nobody nobody thinks about their five fingers on their right hand unless they lose one of them, and then they realize how mm-hmm. significant that minor so-called body part is to the ability to to, to grasp and to hold things. Mm-hmm. Is the same thing true for the church today, that maybe we sure. look at things where we don't think what we could do is significant, and so we do nothing, but if we had a different right. understanding, right. together we could do a lot. Do you think that's true? I think it's completely true. I'll give you one quick example. During the pandemic, uh, when we all were shut down in California, uh, there were 12 to 15 individuals who came out every week and we gave away food. Uh, we didn't have money to give away the food. Uh, but once we started with the little bit that we had, other agencies and other programs start calling our office and say, hey, we heard you're giving away food. Well, can we partner with you? So watch this. For about eight months, we were able to supply food uh, to Bay Area residents of all walks of life, all colors, all ethnicities, all really all religions came through our doors and got hot meals 
and cold meals and packages of uh, milks and uh, cheeses and breads, all that stuff, just because we 12 to 15 people decided that they were not going to just stay in and do nothing, but they want to give their hands to help somebody. And that, for me, that showed like tons of blessings. You know, uh, and those others that still probably would not would have come out, but it was just those few. And we know it was 12 apostles that literally turned the world upside down. That's right. And and, and wind it up, you know, we're we're, we're sitting here having this conversation today, literally Mm -hmm. standing on the shoulders of their spiritual legacy. Right. And, you know, it, it strikes me, too. You speak of a handful of people feeding thousands. Mm-hmm. That addressing of felt needs, and I know sometimes there's some folk in the church that get very uncomfortable with this topic. They say, "Well, you now you're talking about you know social justice and things of that sort." And you know, there's mm-hmm. we have agencies that do that. We have government branches that handle all right. of that stuff. The church should be about preaching the truth, which is indeed true. Right. But but I find it curious to note that without exception, every time we see a display of Christ's public ministry when he was going to speak before groups. There was always preceding that time of speaking to proclaim who he was and what he had come to do mm-hmm. with addressing felt needs, whether it was bringing sight to the blind man, restoring mm-hmm. the ability to walk to the lame man, mm-hmm. or, or even feeding the 5,000, which I would suggest is pretty much what you were talking about, right. you know, right. going out there, demonstrating a compassion for the real need, mm-hmm. and then using that in a sense as the door of opportunity to then proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Some people today in the church see it as one or the other. I I, kind of see it as both and because I, I I just, I'm, I struggle with the idea that we can proclaim the love of Jesus Christ and the phenomenal sacrifice of his work on the cross on our behalf, that God would do that because he wants to be reconciled to us and walk in fellowship with us. And and yet, at the same token, to not say that God or not demonstrate through us that God is also concerned with our immediate felt needs. Speak to that, if you would. Yeah, I, I think, you know, people try to sanitize the gospel when Clearly, the scripture tells us the spirit of the Lord is upon me, you know, to preach to the brokenhearted, to the captives, the acceptable year of the Lord, as I paraphrase. That text becomes the crucible, if you will, uh, to the capacity uh, for us to understand our purpose and our mission in the church. Jesus went into the temple and turned over tables and chased out the money changers and says, you have taken my father's temple of house of prayer and made it a den of thieves. That whole, that whole context gives us social justice because it wasn't that they was necessarily stealing, but they were cheating people out of their temple sacrifices. Because just like we go to the airport now, and uh, a pack of gum is $25, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's the same concept that they knew people had traveled miles at a time uh, to come to the temple and they needed a sacrifice to make their worship complete. And yet they were getting double tax and triple tax. And Jesus said, hey, this is not what this is about. Uh, you know, make your money, but don't do it at the expense of the poor, of the person who you paying five times for a turtle dove, <laughs> you know, who can't afford the fatted calf. 
He says, this place ought to be a, a place of, of, of prayer, but you made it a den of thieves. And just I'm not trying to preach a sermon, but just to give another quick illustration of that whole den of thieves. That's the place where people were hiding and plain sight and yet take it. Come on now. <laughs> that, that's 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 what the church when we do not come outside of our four walls and do not express the love of God and how good God has been to us and the favor of God. We literally become the den of thieves. We keep all of these gifts on the inside, hiding in plain sight and not carrying the gospel. And I'm just wanting to give that as 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 an illustration to say that I totally agree with you. We're speaking today with Reverend Dr. Charlie Haynes, senior pastor of the BB Memorial Cathedral Church in Oakland. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. Our conversation today, a very special guest. He is Reverend Dr. Charlie Hames, Senior Pastor of the BB Memorial Cathedral in Oakland. Pastor Hames, I want to pick up where we left off the conversation just prior to the break. And I and I think that's a very critical illustration because it, it will allow me to to shift to another topic that I fit, think fits hand in glove with this. There, there is oftentimes a sense of, well, we leave certain parts of ministry to the experts. So mm-hmm. to the evangelist goes evangelism, to the pastor goes pastoring. Me, well, I show up and I drop my money in the offering plate every day completely ignoring the fact that each and every one of us, no matter if you have an official title in the church or you're just one of the people in the pews, all of us have a responsibility to be disciples, to make mm-hmm. disciples. I, I didn't notice any conditions when when Christ was asked about the, the great commandment, the great commission. He was very mm-hmm. clear in saying, well, love the Lord thy God with all their heart, your heart, mind, body, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, go mm-hmm. you into all the world, preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it seems as if sometimes in the church today, there are some folks that wish to sort of skirt that responsibility or pretend somehow that that passage doesn't doesn't apply to them. Right. I mean, in part of uh, one of the things that we do as part of, part of our purpose statement as a church, we say we witness the word, worship the Lord and walk in love. And he says, well, how do you say that in three, three words? Sharing, right? Uh, worshiping and serving, right? That you can't, irrespective of you having an official position in the church, you can open up your mouth and tell somebody what God has done for you today, <laughs> right? And then that testimony is, is uh, defunct if you don't actually give back gratitude and thanksgiving and worship to the God who woke you up this morning. And then last but not least, you know, the walk in love is that's the mission of the church, that you have to have some visible demonstration of what God has done in someone's life by sharing it with somebody else. And then the cycle repeats itself. Right. And in doing so, then we are able to gain the authority, the respect, so to speak, to be able Mm -hmm. to share our testimony, because I think it's exceedingly difficult to approach someone who is hungry, hurting, in pain. Mm -hmm in need of a savior and tell them how Christ loves them, but then walk past them right. and, and never address the need for true evangelism and reaching them for Christ. I, I want to pivot to another topic here before our time winds, winds down. Okay. Uh, Dr. Hames, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of sad events in the news that shaken many of us to the core. 
Yes. I'm referring to acts of violence recently in Southern California affecting a church down there. Mm-hmm. My goodness, folks today think I can't go to church. Right. And I can't even go grocery shopping if I'm in Buffalo, New York, for example, without mm-hmm. being fearful that some crazed racially motivated individual won't show up, mm-hmm. show up with an AK-47 and take right. my life. Speak right. to this, if you would, please, from the context of where the church needs to be standing in addressing these issues. And, and, and we, when we talk about it, I mean, there's a lot of discussions about you know, what Congress ought to do this, and we oh the Second Amendment and all of this. But I don't hear a lot of people really fundamentally getting down to the, the, the core motivator behind these kinds of horrifically racist violent acts, and that is man's fallen condition, our sin nature. Right. Well, the Bible says it like this. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face and pray, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal the land and forgive their sins. There has to be a level of accountability to the church to repent for the silence to repent for the individualism, to repent for the divisiveness that has caused us not to unify in these moments. When we pray, I believe God will hear our prayers when he sees the works of our prayers. Says it like this, faith without works is dead. And just throwing out a novel idea, what if, and instead of us always being reactionary, that people see visibly the church of God, whether they come from Asian descent or African descent or European descent, come together for a visible demonstration of building a human wall around our sanctuaries to say that if you stop over this side of the wall, we will not tolerate your hate and we will stand even in sacrifice that we're standing together. If the church do that, irrespective of their own political views and their uh, idiotic slants, I think that publicly uh, the world will see a difference. Take our final moment together, if you would, for folks that are new to the Bay Area looking for a church home. Tell us a bit about the ministry of B.B. Memorial Cathedral there in Oakland. Thank you. We say B.B. Memorial Cathedral, where life is a cathedral experience. We believe that you will experience the love of God. We experience a rich fellowship and a warm, inviting congregation uh, that will not judge you, but will love you just the way you are until they love you into the reign of God. For more information, you can go to our website at experiencebmc.org. That's the word experience, bbmemorialcathedral.org, and you can learn more about us. A great congregation, been here 97 years and still thriving and still strong. I just want to thank you for this opportunity to share today. This has been so rich. Ministry for youth, families, senior citizens. You'll find it all, and you can experience it all. Simply go online to experiencebmc.org. Service time Sundays at 9.30 a.m., Wednesday morning prayer call at 7, and then a time of study in God's Word, working the Word Bible study, Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. B.B. Memorial Cathedral meets at 3900 Telegraph Avenue in Oakland. And again, for more information, you can call them at area code five. 510-655-6114. That's 510-655-6114. Or again, find them online at Experience BMC. Think BB Memorial Cathedral, experiencebmc.org. Pastor Reverend Dr. Charlie Hames, thanks so much for your time today. 
Thank you so much. And you've been the amazing host that you are. Thank you. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. As daunting as it is intimidating, home financing, and whether you're a first-time home buyer, investor, or simply looking to refi and save some money, having an experienced mortgage expert in your corner guiding you through the process can not only save you money in the long run, but save you lots of frustration as well. Joining me now is the president and founder of Purpose Funding, Andy Steich. Andy, great to have you on the program. Oh, thanks a lot. Glad to be here. Boy, your industry of any out there has gone through the most changes over the course of the last almost decade now, uh, since some of the craziness back in the uh, 2000s, the early 2000s, with the fog up a mirror, you get alone days. And of course, I guess with this, not only a greater degree of stability, but also for investors or first-time home buyers, the, the process in some respects is much clearer today than it was back in the old days. Yeah, it's interesting to, uh, during those times, how a lot of folks decided to exit the business. It kind of cleared the way. Um, so it, it cleaned out the business quite a bit, and it left it more for the professionals, which is a good thing. There was a lot of regulation that was put into place uh, that required a lot more studying, a lot more understanding of what was happening in the industry. So I believe it's it's raised the bar quite a bit. Um, and, you know, the opportunities are certainly there if you can find the right person to do business with. Let's talk a bit about some of the opportunities in terms of uh, this incredible season that we've been through here. I, I don't think I know of any other period in history where we've seen home loans as low as they have been for as long as they have been. And yet, remarkably, there are some folks out there that still have some of these old adjustable rate mortgages that go back quite a number of years, or maybe they found for a season their home underwater, so they wanted to leave everything just exactly as it was. And certainly here in Northern California, California, real estate values have not only returned to the pre-2007-2008 values, but in some respects are even higher today than they were back then. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, it's one of the biggest opportunities. I think everyone was affected by what happened in 2007-2008, not just uh, the home values, but they were affected um, income-wise and credit-wise. So it's taken some time for people to repair their credit get back to a place where they could qualify for a loan or qualify for the best loan. So we see a lot of that, as well as we're seeing people that their house have been sitting and they haven't really had the equity or the finances to do normal repairs that they would or improvements. So now with the equity on the rise, um, there's opportunities for people to uh, get rid of some of their high debt credit cards do some of those home improvements that they've been putting off for all this time and, and doing just some of the regular maintenance that they would do regularly uh, if they wouldn't have been impacted by that by the recession. So here's an opportunity to maybe do some refinancing, take a little bit of money out to address those uh, deferred repairs, things of that sort, as well as the opportunity to save some money. Yeah, absolutely. On average, we're seeing uh, around $750 per client um, savings wise per month which is it's it's wild to even say it it's such a big number but people will buy a car and they'll they'll run up some credit card debt over the holidays or for different reasons they have a child that's going into college there'll be unforeseen expenses and some that they know are coming but the way that their debt is positioned in the way that the loans are amortized 
by putting it into a 30-year fix or into their mortgage, they can save huge amounts of money on that debt. And that's one of the things that we do right away is we, we want to do a review of your finances and see, is there a better way to position this to save you money? And certainly that kind of consolidation, as you suggest, not only makes it a lot easier for the consumer, but at the end of the day, who wants to pay your credit card company uh, 17, 18, 25 <laughs> percent in, in interest rates every year when you can make all of those payments go away, roll it into a refi, save some money on your monthly mortgage payments, and as you suggest, perhaps take a little money out to deal with things like a child's education or dealing with some of those repairs. One of the other things that you offer, in addition to conventional finance and refi, is also helping provide funding for investors. And certainly now, if this was ever a so-called renter's market, this is it. Very attractive time right now for people that are looking to get into investment property, even as large as uh, multi-dwelling units might be uh, perhaps a small apartment building with up to four units or maybe a duplex yeah there's a there's a lot of that going on right now as people are trying to uh, pull money from the market the the dow being at you know highest numbers it's ever been at so they're thinking of diversifying and maybe changing their portfolio up a little bit and getting a piece of property to put in there, an additional piece of property. And also this, the regular investor who buys and, and flips homes or, or, you know, fixes them up and puts them back on the market or keeps them as rentals. All those opportunities we're starting to see with the new administration in place that loan guidelines are starting to loosen up a little bit. We went through a period of almost 10 years where it's very difficult to get a loan, especially for investors. And, you know, in Northern California, we need loans in the jumbo range, which is anything over 625000 So So as those loans start coming back in the market, it just creates a lot more opportunity for people that you've just spoken about. And, of course, you're able to do funding throughout the entire state. So if folks say, gee, maybe um, an investment property in the Bay Area might be a little bit pricey, but there are other markets that are beginning to uh, enjoy a resurgence in values. And so you can essentially help folks anywhere in the state, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we cover all of California. And uh, we are just reaching out into other states selectively right now. Let's talk about issues, too, when it comes to folks reaching retirement age. Um, it, it's not uncommon for people to um, get to retirement and say, my goodness, uh, we've got some money in the bank and a 401k. Uh, we're, we're secure financially in a lot of respects, but we'd like to have a little bit more cash to do something special, be it that big world cruise, or maybe you want to make sure that there's um, a lot of cash that you can leave as a financial legacy to your children. And you look at the house you live in and say, this is an awful expensive collection of two-by-fours. <laughs> mm-hmm. And maybe we should consider getting a little bit creative, not to necessarily sell the home per se, but to consider the financial benefits of a reverse mortgage. And while certainly, Andy, it's not for everyone, there, there is a certain group of people out there for whom a reverse mortgage can really provide a tremendous amount of financial freedom, can't it? Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, it's. I waited a, a little while to get into reverse mortgages just because I heard all the information that everyone was saying. And, and my mom is of that age, and she talked to me about getting it, and my first response was, no, no, no. I looked further into it, and her situation is one that you just mentioned. So she has some money put away for retirement, but the implications of accessing that money tax-wise are ridiculous. 
so she doesn't want to tap into that money so she struggles each month and so we looked really closely at the reverse mortgage because if you borrow if you do it that way and you borrow money on the loan you obviously don't there's no tax implications from that not at the same degree anyways so you know i it is for a very specific person a specific scenario we're not a company that's going to go oh you're 62 and you have some equity let's do a reverse mortgage no way um, we're going to look at it. We're going to prayerfully consider whether or not this is the right thing for you. And then we'll move forward with, with people that are, for the right person, it's a great avenue. In many respects, Andy, that's kind of the, the watchword of the way purpose funding does business. In other words, it's not one size, one loan fits all. You really take a look at the unique financial circumstances of every individual and try to come up with a loan that's going to be ideal for their circumstances all the way around, both in terms of income, tax considerations, the whole bit, don't you? hundred uh, percent. When I first got into this business, or when I first when I actually first started purpose funding, it's interesting because someone was asking me what our mission statement was, and it all it all stems from that very first thought of if this was my loan, if this was my mom's loan, what would I do? Knowing what I know, what would I do? That's how I try to treat every customer. It's what I emphasize for the whole sales team. This is how we do business here. Because I think it's very important to approach this business that has a reputation in a certain way. And if we do it that way, we're, we're going to be fine through no matter what happens to the economy, no matter what happens in any environment. And it's served true for me my my whole career. And and certainly, as I suggested in my opening remarks, um, anybody who has been through it before or knows someone who has knows that the whole process can be daunting and intimidating. And so having an expert on your side that will walk you through the process and most importantly, make sure that it's the right fit, the right loan for you is critically important. It's all the difference that Purpose Funding makes. Get more information, by the way. You can go online to PurposeFunding.com. That's PurposeFunding.com. And I I guess, Andy, for most folks, they can easily just pick up the phone and say, hey, here's what my loan is today. This is the amount of interest I'm paying. This is how much is is owed. And maybe in just a couple of minutes on the phone, you can give a lot of folks guidance as to whether or not it makes sense for them to consider a refi. You know, it's interesting. I would always encourage people to call because that's going to be the the quickest way to get answers. Um, You know, I've had many people when I tell them, you know what, it's not a good idea for you to do a refinance, they're a little bit shocked because I don't. I, I think everyone that they've spoken to has tried to talk them into doing a loan. And if it's just not right, I think the important thing is to know that, find out what are the steps I need to do to get to where it would be right. Um, does it make sense for me to do this or do that? I think that guidance and just talking to somebody that has experience and can lay out the different options for you and then encourage you and what options they feel is the best. I think it's, it's super important. And to get more information, you can call toll-free 877-922-FUND. That's 877-922-3863. And uh, we encourage you to give a call, whether you're looking to buy a home for the first time, maybe enter into some investment property, or simply refinance, save some money, take a little bit of money out, pay down some bills, and maybe take care of some of those deferred maintenance issues on the house. 
Andy Stike at Purpose Funding is there to help you. Again, toll free at 877-922-FUND. That's 877-922-3863. You can also find them on the web at purposefunding.com. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.